My name is Justin Lassizan. I'm the co-founder of the NextGen Summit. And I was really excited um, to talk today with Patrick about um, a lot of things. We talked about productivity and kind of how each of us uses different tools and habits to stay focused. We talked about kind of dealing with negativity, uh, specifically in my journey of taking a gap year and, and taking an unconventional route and kind of how to deal with that negative negativity. And finally, we talked about finding your passion and of how young people can go out and really discover. Welcome to Pensive Series. Featured in Forbes, The HuffPo, and Inc. magazine, and many more, Justin Lavizan is an acclaimed entrepreneur, speaker, best-selling author, and consultant. The founder of NextGen Summit, and best-selling author of What Wakes You Up, he's on a mission to inspire the world's young people to design the lives they want to live through entrepreneurship. Where, where did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in Long Island, New York. Um, pretty, uh, pretty casual background. Um, you know, par normal parents, normal siblings. Um, actually, a pretty normal household. There was no you know, big conversation about entrepreneurship or anything like that. Pa Patrick, where did you grow up? I actually didn't know. Yeah, so I grew up in Germany, actually. Um, so yeah, I was born um, to parents of immigrants, and I, I mostly spent my childhood in Germany. Oh, cool! I didn't know that. And then I moved to the US after high school. Well, easy transition. Um, yeah, after high school, I moved. Um, sort of, um, I, I wanted to like pursue my dreams in America, and then, <clears throat> and then I realized, hey, I need to go to college because otherwise, I don't qualify for any of the visas. So, uh, so you know. Um, so, so I had to go to college, basically. Uh, otherwise, you know, where, I wouldn't be able where'd you end up going? Yeah, so um, I went to this small college in New York. Um, it was called sort of Small College of Big Dreams, and um, you know, I didn't have any money, and all these schools are so expensive, and most colleges don't offer like financial aid to um, immigrants, and so or like foreign students. And so, um, and I was lucky with this with the school. They almost gave me a full scholarship, and it was New oh, York wow. City and in, in Brooklyn Heights, you know. And so I saw this as a window of opportunity, and from there I could like, you know, yeah, that's incredible. Sort of start my start my adventures, and um, and and yeah, so I'm I'm grateful for thought of that opportunity. But then in the U.S., you know, um, you know, all these schools have different leagues, and in, in Germany it's not like that. You just go to university, and you know, there's some better universities, but it's not like it is in the U.S. You know, I, that's, that sounds awesome. I'm glad you had that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. So like, okay. So tell me more about yourself. Like growing up in uh, Long Island and New York, New York being, being so close to the to the, to the big city. Yeah. So I, was, I, was, I grew up in a really uh, casual, traditional American household. You know, my my parents um, both worked, and my siblings. You know, we all went to school, and and it was pretty pretty normal on paper. I guess the one thing that you would say is kind of different is that we were all kind of being raised to be rebels in a in a kind of a funny way. So not in like a oh let's go protest in the street, but always like a oh like like go get what you want or go you know do something bigger than just school you know go actually like create something in the world. So it was really really cool growing up that even though I wanted even though I was pretty like a normal normal kid, we we're always being pushed to to do more by my by my parents. So you know my brother ended up getting into politics really really young because he was you know really excited about. You know, government and, and wanted to make a change, and then I started my first company while still in high school. So we were all kind of being pushed um, into a 
into actually creating opportunities at a really young age and not just kind of like living living life and letting it go by. Yeah. Do you have like a moment where like you look back and it's like, yeah, this is where it started or it was just sort of um, it just happened. And, you know, for you, like for you, because your family supported you in that way, it just it just happened. Yeah. So um, basically in my after my junior year of high school, um, everyone really starts to think about college and decide which colleges they are going to apply to and everything like that. And, And I decided at that point to take a gap year. I was excited about college and I wanted to go, but I, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to pursue or what I wanted to study. So I was really conflicted about, you know, my own path. I didn't know what I was passionate about. I didn't know what I wanted to do as a career. And I thought that jumping into college might have been a mistake um, immediately. I felt like I would get trapped in a system that creates, uh, you know, people who don't start their own companies and are kind of forced into the traditional model. I was really, I was nervous about that. So I decided to take a gap year after my junior year, and that was kind of the big turning point for for everything in my life. When I started my companies and I started really asking these bigger questions and I started pursuing my dreams, it was a real big turning point in my life that, that I'm really excited to look back on and say it worked. Yeah. I mean, but at the time, how did, how did this feel? I mean, you know, you, it, when everything happened, like, like you know, you didn't know um, that all these, you know, great things would happen. And, like, how, how did you look to the future and, and how did you think about this? Yeah. So something I, I discovered that summer and it's something that I, I really think about every single day of my life and it, like, it shocks me just as much now as it did then is that, you know, during my summer, uh, during that summer after junior year of high school, I stumbled upon this fact that four out of five Americans hate their jobs. Um, I, don't, I, I was watching a lot of TED Talks that summer and reading a lot of books, and I just kind of stumbled across that fact that it, like, screamed at me. And it said that 81% of Americans feel, you know, actively negative towards their careers. They really, really hate their jobs. And I was fascinated with that. I'm thinking, all right, we, you know, as a culture, create kids to go get jobs. Like, that's what we do. That's what college does, and that's what life does, and that's what your parents do. But we're creating kids to, to go get unhappy jobs. Like, that, that really didn't make sense to me. And it, it fired me up, and it angered me and pissed me off and excited me at the same time. So I was really moved by that piece of information, and that was kind of, like, what stood out to me. So, I, you know, looking back on, you know, my yeah, not everything might have worked out for me, but I realized that worst case scenario for me was I'd go be one of those guys in an an unhappy traditional job. You know, I was pretty smart and I I had no doubt in my mind that I could get a job like that and I could get a good job and one that paid well. I had no doubt in my mind, but I wanted to let that be the backup. You know, let me fail and then go work on Wall Street. Uh, You know, don't don't make that my, my dream of selling my soul. You know, let me go chase my dreams and worst case I'll fall back on one of those jobs that I might not be too passionate about. And thankfully I could say that I don't have to kind of do that anymore, but I was always looking at that worst case scenario. Like, all right, if I have to, you know, go back to something, then then it'll be the backup plan. Yeah. And um, were there any, um, any particular people that helped you along the way or um, some, some people that shaped sort of that um, journey in in a, in a strong way? 
Absolutely. So I think my, my family is definitely a really prime example of people kind of who supported that journey. Um, my parents, like I said, from a very early age were always, you know, telling us to do more, be different, uh, think bigger. That was always a really, really tangible lesson in my household. So, you know, even after I decided to take gap year, which is very untraditional, not only in my community, but also in the States at the time, um, they they got behind it. My, my siblings are my best friends as well as my biggest supporters as well. So they, you know, rallied around my ideas. And then I had a really good support system of both mentors and friends and coaches and, and things like that who, you know, pe- people who absolutely supported my journey. And the gap year was, you know, a real shining moment because that kind of was the light that shined on who was with me and who was not with me. Um, you know, taking a gap year in my community is, when I say it's uncommon, it's almost unheard of. You know, right now, gap years are getting really good attention in the media because Malia Obama just decided to take one before Harvard, and people are realizing, wow, you know, the rest of the world takes gap years, but no one in America does. You know, so people were interested in, in that fact. But at the same time, they weren't, you know, you know, two years ago, three years ago, when, when I was thinking about those things, they weren't receptive to it at all. You know, I had friends and parents of friends and mentors telling me, this is ridiculous. Um, you know, you're never going to go to college. Like, what are you thinking? What are you doing? You're making a mistake. You know, I don't get it. I got a lot of pushback after I decided to take the gap year. And I'm not saying everyone had to support my, you know, the gap year itself, but, you know, the people who really cared about me supported my decision. So, you know, specifically, even though, you know, at first my parents didn't really understand the gap year, they still knew I wanted to do it and thus supported me on it. So, you know, I, looking back, the gap year was able to really shine a lot of light on who was with me and who wasn't um, and who was really willing to kind of support me thinking different. And I, I'm really thankful for that experience. I had so many people kind of supporting me along the way, and, and it was I'm so lucky to kind of have that support system. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty amazing. Um, my my gap my gap year was uh, military service. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's because it, 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 it's it's forced, it's forced, time, right? You know? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, well, not anymore. Like, for, some, for some strange reason, I left, and then they uh, scratched the rule. You know, it just seems to be the same with college now. I did college, and now people don't go to college anymore. So everything I do, people don't do afterwards. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and anyway, the world's changing. Uh, the, the world is changing pretty quickly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, how did you like um, then think about like all these different opportunities and like what you could do and like um, how did you like think through that? Yeah, so um, I think I was always raised with like an attitude of like say yes and then figure it out afterwards. So you know, I would an opportunity would come across me somehow. Maybe it's someone I met at a conference or maybe it's an idea that popped into my head. So the first thing I would do is say yes to it. I would actively pursue it, and then afterwards I'd figure it out how. So, um, you know, my senior year of high school, I wanted, I, you know, I got this idea to start a company that provided college admissions counseling, um, and I just, I just started. I got a bunch of friends, and we just dove right into it. Um, and then we kind of figured out the nuts and bolts of it, and partnerships and investment and things like that. The same holds true for what I'm doing now, and what I'm really most excited about, which is this next gen project. Um, you know, we had an idea. Let's host. Uh, let's create a community for young entrepreneurs. Let's host a conference. Let's let's build something great where talented people from around the world can can find a home in. 
and we just dove right into building it and, and figured out how to actually do it afterwards. So that's always kind of been my mindset. You know, find something you want to do, do it. And then as you're as you're kind of actively doing it, figure out, you know, what you actually need to make it happen. Yeah. Do you do you want to talk a little bit about the origin of that of that, you know, you call it the next generation summit or the NGS? Yeah, absolutely. So um I early on in my gap here, I was running a different company at the time, but I realized that my favorite part of running this company was my access to other young entrepreneurs. You know, through that journey of speaking and traveling to other events and conferences, I was meeting the most incredible people. I was getting really excited about meeting them and hearing about their projects. It, it was really a, a, a very inspiring time in my life. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, how, wh there's no real community here. You know, I want to, I, I have friends that are young entrepreneurs, fine, but there's no real sense of community. There's no home, there's no event just for us. There's no space just for us. You know, I was really frustrated with that. Um, there were there were attempts. You know, there was the Teal Summit, um, which you know uh, is no longer around now, but you know did did really really well. It was the four yeah, right. or thirty I mean, that's where we conferences. Met yeah. yeah, the Teal Summit. The Teal Summit was great and did a really good job. But I felt that all of these places, even though like they were trying to do different things, they weren't either fully inclusive or, or kind of the way I envisioned the community. So I wanted to do something bigger and different. And you know, I was I was going through the whole kind of thought process and. The way it really sparked was, you know, I, I thought, all right, well, this this could be really cool. Maybe I'll host a conference, and that was really the first idea of it. But as we were, you know, planning a conference, we realized that community was what people wanted, not a conference. And the conference was the byproduct of the community. And that, when people were telling us that and, and expressing that to us, you know, we really kind of switched our minds and realized, wow, that's what we need to create—a community for these young entrepreneurs of all different types and fields and ages and sizes and locations, you know, a home base where people can come and get help and connect and collaborate and inspire each other. And they could do that maybe at a conference or at some meetups or on a, even in a simple Facebook group. And that's kind of been the, the impetus for, for everything we've been doing. I, I've never been more excited about working on something my entire life than I am now with the NextGen project. That's that's amazing. So then, how, how, what what were the first steps? Yeah. So when you know, started. we started this, we started this idea um, a little while back. So October of 2014, you could say, was like when we first really got the idea for the community for the event. We put on our first one in July of 2015 down in Austin, Texas, and that was really a lot of just you know BS piecing it together, you know throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, you know, we uh, lost a lot of money on the conference. I, I wrote a check for $30,000 um, for that first event because it, we, we were not profitable. We did not sell enough sponsorship. You know, we did not sell enough tickets, blah, blah, blah. Um, the conference was very rough around the edges. But what happened was beautiful. You know, a day after, two days after, we get these emails saying, you know, or we, you know, we we put up a Facebook group and we started getting these posts saying, "Guys, you know, thank you so much for the best weekend of my life. I met my business partner. I met my girlfriend. I raised money. I started a new company. I decided to take a gap year. I met a college admissions dean. You know, people were telling us these incredible stories, and you know, we were like thinking, oh wow, okay, the conference went well, but you know, there were so many rough parts.'" But all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, my God, this was the best weekend ever. And that was 
a wow feeling for us a couple of days after. And, you know, thankfully, those experiences were able to be shared pretty quickly, and we were able to receive some really good press. Um, Forbes was able to rank us, you know, one of five cameras conferences for 2016. Entrepreneur Magazine put, put us in their list of one in seven best conferences for young entrepreneurs. And it was so exciting and, and moving and inspiring that this year we had so much help and things went so much easier. So our next conference is June 3rd to 5th, which is actually next weekend, and I'm so, so excited about it. And things, you know, are, are incredible. We have the most amazing speakers and sponsors and attendees and activities planned, and I, I cannot wait for the event. It's going to be so magical and, and so inspiring, and it's exactly what we wanted to build from the very beginning. Um, and what is your vision for the summit? Like, um, you said this is a project that you're most excited about. How do you think about the future of that of that summit? Yeah, so we want people to come to the conference and the and get every resource they need to be successful. That is our kind of end all be all. Create a community that provides young people, talented young people, with everything they need to be successful. So we divided that into four four things that they need. The first is investment and money. So we bring in 20 VC partners to invest in projects. The second is education. That's why we have speakers and mentors and um, you know, uh, workshops that really provide hands-on education for these young people's projects. The third is social capital. So the network, the connection, the community, the access to other bright young people. And then the fourth is inspiration. That's the, 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 the least tangible, but honestly the most important. And just having these young people surround themselves with positive, like-minded people to push them forward. So that's what we want to create. The way we do that is by putting speakers on stage, putting mentors and workshops available, having fun networking events and not boring old, you know, church, here's my business card ones. And we, we built something really fun and new and innovative. And we're able to achieve the the atmosphere where people can come and get everything they need. It's uh, it's really rewarding to, to kind of see it happen. Then going going back to your own journey um, when you started out, um, you know, how did you find focus among all the different projects that you were doing um, so you could actually like get one thing done? Um, how, yeah. How did you like navigate through that? That's such a good question, and I, I think it's like something that people don't answer enough, Patrick. I think like, you know, focus is something that, that people just ignore. Uh, I myself got a little lost um, probably last year because I was so into so many different projects. Um, I was writing a book at the time. I was um, planning this event. I was working on some other joint venture partnerships, and you know, I kind of lost the focus in that kick the can down the road and just totally decrease my productivity. So now, you know, me and my team at NextGen, the way we do things is kind of in blocks. So in the past month or two, has been the summit block. And we put all our efforts and energies into planning the conference. So it's conference is over June 6th, and on June 7th, we're going to start our next block, uh, which I can't really reveal to yet, but it's going to be pretty exciting when we have, um, you know, uh, other ways to provide value to young entrepreneurs. And we're going to kind of focus on that branch of the next-gen project. So, you know, we're basically we're, we're going around and, and putting all of our focus and energy into one thing and doing it really, really well. So when I was writing my book, the last month of writing my book, I, I didn't focus on any other projects at all. I, like, stopped going to class, which was okay, not great. Um, and, like, I stopped planning next-gen. I really just focused on the book. So I think what I've learned from my failure focusing is just putting 
all of my eggs into one thing, doing it really, really well, and then moving on when I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And then, yeah, I think um, I think a lot of people get lost, Patrick, when they when they don't focus. Like, have you ever experienced that, where you're really interested in so many things that you don't really get anything done? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I've experienced it myself, and you know, I don't want to complain and say, oh, it's because of the visa situation, and you know, coming here as an immigrant is difficult. But um, you know, when you don't have the right to work, um, then you know, you're just trying to you're trying to experiment, and you're trying different things, and um, and you're trying to be creative and so I definitely like sympathize with like lack of focus and, and it's, it's so important. And, and I think what, what you're saying, like working on blocks is something that um, I've also discovered, um, but then actually doing it, that's what the most important thing is, you know? Um, yeah. And if you think about it, there's so much, there's so much like advice now, there's so many like platforms, there's really like, there's really so many great resources to prime anybody for success, but but you know, like taking that in and then incorporating that into your life and making sure you think different and you actually like, um, you know, sort of build on all of these uh, learnings that are, that are available. That's like a whole different game. Um, but you know, it all starts with like the resources being there in the first place. So I, that's why I think you guys are doing a great job with the summit, um, you know, sort of like catalyzing a generation and like giving them sort of a home. Um, Absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more. So like, you know, I would be curious to like, because, you know, you, you, you took the gap year and then sort of um, you did things on your own. Like, how did you deal with the people that try to put you down or just the status quo? Um, how did you like work through that? I try not to fault them, honestly, Patrick. I think that um, the society is so powerful in their influence to convince people that this is the right path that we kind of let it go um, here at NextGen when people say, oh, what you're doing is crazy or wrong or different or, or bad. Um, and me particularly, you know, like I wrote a book that had a lot of controversial, challenging ideas and the gap year itself was challenging. And I, I really, when people, and many people do, try to tell me what I should do or what I shouldn't do, I thank them for the advice, but I, I really let it slide. Um, I do not get defensive. I do not challenge. I, and I, the biggest response I have is, you know, I say, you know, this is my path and this is my journey and this is what I have to do. Um, I think it's easy to get confrontational or easy to push back. But for me, I just, I, I come to the realization that I'm on my own path and my own journey. And, um, you know, I, I kind of go from there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. I, it's, it's nice that people care about me enough to want to change my ideas, I think, because they think I'm doing something different. But when people ask me, I really just say, you know what, this is, this is my own journey. I think, Pat, oh, so many people need to focus on that instead. They need to stop worrying about everything else and, and really just do them and, and stay in their own journey. Yeah. Um, like, who are some of your biggest heroes, um, you know, people you've met or, you know, people you admire, fictional characters or, or anything like that? Yeah, really, really good question. Actually, one that I, I don't get too frequently, so I'm not too sure. Um, you know, I think, you know, off the top of my head, I have a couple of big mentors that really inspire me. The first is Greg Reed, who founded Secret Knock, which is a conference for um, multimillionaire entrepreneurs like the founder of UGG, Brian Smith, and... Make a Wish Foundation founder Frank Schenkowitz, um, a lot of good good friends and mentors of mine. And I think what Greg was able to build um, in terms of a mastermind network is really inspiring to me professionally, and something that I want to pursue and want to kind of do myself and and really go for. 
I think, of course, I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss, as many people are, um, for his ability to kind of boil down really complex concepts like productivity and health into really simple uh, ways of doing things. I, I like that a lot. Um, I recently started watching the show Billion, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, Bobby Axelrod is this uh, kind of billionaire tycoon who breaks the law but is really a good guy deep down. And he's actually become – I'm one of his biggest fans now. I have a so it's a great show on Showtime and something I've, I've been uh, really paying a lot of attention to um, for the morality aspect of it. So and I do have a, a, a lot of mentors, a lot of people I look up to, a lot of them peers as well. There are a lot of, you know, John Mayer, Francisco News is a big person I look up to professionally in terms of growth. Um, a lot of people I look up to, Patrick. I think it's, it's nice to have so many people that surround you that are so successful that I can kind of kind of look up to and reach out to. Yeah. How did you make like the ventures you started? How did you make them sustainable? And from a business perspective, how did you find out, okay, we need to do this to do that. And then we can get these people like, like, how did you work through that? Yeah, Patrick. So what I was just saying about surrounding yourself with, with good people, that is, that answers the same question. So like my biggest, um, I, I speak a lot and I, a lot of times I get on stage and people say at the end, you know, Justin, what's one piece of advice? you can give or what's like your one biggest, you know, life lesson. And I always say the same thing. I say reverse engineer processes that you care about. So I want to go um, start a, a, you know, a conference, let's say. Um, don't just like try to figure it out yourself. Go talk to other conference organizers, figure out what they did, and use some of their tips with your own secret sauce to make it special. You know, I wanted to go write a book. I didn't just start. I went and talked to other authors figured out what they were doing, and replicated it um, in my own way. So I was able to kind of have my own message, but in the, in the way that I already knew worked. So when I wanted to start all my companies, I, I followed that model. I found other people who were already having this massive success, asked them how they did it, and kind of applied some of their principles to my own secret sauce and my own way of doing things. And, and I think that is a great model and something I encourage a lot of people to do. Yeah. Um, then about your book, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about your book, um, sort of what made you write it and then what is the message you're trying to send? And, um, you know, it's like about waking up, like how do you, how do you, how do you find what wakes you up? Maybe that is, you could um, answer that as a second question. Yeah, really, really good question. So the first part, you know, what is the book? Um, what wakes you up is kind of a guide for young people to first find and do work that they love. And then second, if they do find it something that they really, really care about, how to actually go and take it out into the world in a way that delivers maximum value to, to people around them. Um, getting a, a little more specifically, um, you know, I think so many people in the world are unhappy with the work that they're doing or they're living really mediocre lives. And I wanted to use What Wakes You Up as kind of like a showcase and, uh, you know, an example. Here is how other young people have, discovered their greatest passions, and then executed on them. And here, here are the tools to do it. You don't have to go do it yourself, but if you want to, here's your guidebook. And kind of like showing you an example of something different. Here's not a, it's not a book on, you know, how to, how to be an entrepreneur in any sense, because there are a lot of those and a lot of entrepreneurs better than I am. But it's a book about finding work that you love, why it's important to find work that you love, and how to actually go about and, uh, and make massive change in the world. And, and it, I think it's a really good read. And in order to support 
you know, other projects of mine, I'm donating 100% of the profits from that book and the launch of the book to the Next Gen Foundation, which is the nonprofit arm of Next Gen Summit that provides scholarships for underserved youth. So it's also a really, really exciting thing that I'm working on. So, um, you know, you mentioned the um, the nonprofit, uh, the book, the summit, and, you know, they all have the prefix of uh, next gen. Um, is that how you sort of think, um, sort of having defined your mission and then finding sort of products and services and like people to help you like uh, build those things around it? And Absolutely. it's focused Absolutely. in a way that, that's, you, know, you, you know, you have now a book and it's sort of like a platform. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that for me, I, I discovered my moon mission. I discovered my, um, uh, you know, my moon mission is to help, find, help young people find the new work that they love and provide resources to young entrepreneurs. Like, that's my, my biggest mission in life. And now it's like, how can I create all of these different vehicles to facilitate that mission of next gen um, uh, and you know what we're doing. So the conference is one way, the profits one way, the books one way, and there are a couple of other really exciting branches that we'll be releasing this summer, um, which uh, which are I'm, I'm just as excited about. So it's exactly you know once you find a mission, it's figuring out how to best kind of facilitate it and get it out in the world. Yeah, um, and I think that's also great advice to like other people um, how to start on something like starting with what you care about and then finding anything as a subset of um, of that and then pursuing that sort of exclusively and then trying to get successful in that one rubric. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's so many different ways to achieve your, your mission that people should be continually thinking outside the box. I mean, I would be curious to know, like, how did you discover your um, mission or like what was the process of discovering your um, your mission? Say it one more time. No, I mean, I'd be curious to know what would be your, what was your process of discovering your mission? You know, the yeah, things I think you said that are part of your mission. For me, it was just asking a lot of questions. Um, it's, uh, you know, um, let me I, let me try to explain this in a, in a different way. Um, you know, I think when you're young, there's so many different things that you could pursue in the world that you have to continually expose yourself to different ways. So every time I I, I would just I read something that was interesting or I heard something that was interesting, uh, I would I would go full force at it. I would email the author and say, hey, can we talk about this more? I would email the person I just read about and say, hey, can we can I interview you? I was constantly asking these questions and exposing myself to different career paths and things like that that it kind of just fell into my lap. And it was kind of easy for me almost because I was just statistically exposing myself to so many different missions. So I think young people they need to ask questions, Patrick. They need to get out there, ask more questions, um, you know, and really expose themselves to incredible missions and, and people and, and read more. And uh, by like, putting yourself out there and learning about all of these different missions in the world and what other people are doing, I think you could easily find your own. Yeah. Is there is there like a habit or like like maybe not related to your mission, but anything that sort of makes you more effective in, in life? I think for me, I'm, I love to cold email people. I think that's, I think it's something that everyone likes to do, but I do it in a really different way. So like, uh, I'll give you an example. I read an article in the Wall Street Journal yesterday about um, why students need to uh, be more specific in their majors and why, you know, trade schools are great. And I really, really liked the piece. And I emailed the, you know, writer of the piece and just said, hey, 
you know, I really like this article, would love to chat about it sometime. You know, small things like that provide no value to me other than, you know, my own curiosity. But I think that habit of constantly, um, you know, exposing myself to other good minds and, and facilitating this highly educational dialogue is something that I, I that keep, kind of keeps me fresh and, and keeps me keeps me motivated. Mm. Um, I'd be curious, like, um, if you think about a moment in your life when you felt stuck, when you, um, when the way you looked at the world sort of, um, you know, didn't make sense, or in some way you were discouraged, and then um, in some way you learned to think different and and sort of move beyond that and you know grow. Um, is there is there any moment or any story that that comes to mind? Um, I think um, the the gap year is probably the the, the greatest example. Um, another one is um, the Forbes 30 Under 30 conference. So I got an invite for me and my business partner to attend on Tuesday when the conference started on Sunday. Um, you know, so it was a really really last minute invitation I got for an award I won. Um, and you know, I, I wanted to go and I couldn't find anyone to go with me. So I called a million people. No one wanted to go. Finally, on Thursday, I called my good friend Dylan, who I worked with a couple of years back. He said, "Okay." We flew out on Saturday, and Dylan ended up being my my co-founder of NextGen Summit. So I think that's a really cool story of like taking chances, going out on a limb to create opportunities, yeah. and um, you know. We're Sam thankful that I had that opportunity because I'm not sure if NextGen would have been started without it. Yeah, that's that's a cool story. I like that. Um, so you mentioned when we talked about focus, um, you you mentioned that you know it helps you to uh, sort of focus in blocks. So I was I'm just curious, are there um, any other ways where you where you sort of have a more structured way of thinking? Um, you know, something that helps you sort of um, to be a better thinker. Yeah, and then um, as a result, also to like be better at action, right? Because it's not just like to be a better thinker, but be be better action than to manifest your ideas. Yeah, Patrick, you bring up a really good point because a lot of people I think think well, but don't actually go and, and do anything about it. Um, for me, it's always been um, inbox zero, and even though it's like a simple like just productivity hack. Um, it's been able to like drastically transform my entire life. So every night I go to sleep with a clean inbox. Um, I you know delete every email that I don't need to read. I respond to every email I do need to read, and I do not go to sleep without a clean inbox. And for me, that makes sure that a I don't have to always answer emails throughout the day, so I can focus on products throughout the day. B I'm constantly taking action on products I'm working on, so nothing ever sits in my inbox. Nothing ever sits waiting for me to do it. I always do it, even if that means staying out a couple hours at night and making sure it happens. And kind of three is making sure that I kind of go to sleep each night knowing that I did everything I needed to that day to advance my projects. So Inbox Zero is a, a tool I, I use that other people disagree with, some people agree with. And even though it's a simple email tool, it, it's able to drastically transform the productivity of my life. Yeah. Um, so. If you could give out one book to um, all your um, summit attendees, um, you know, maybe besides your own book, what what kind of book would you would you give them or give them? Yeah, I wish I had something less uh, mainstream. Um, I, I wish I had um, something like, you know not that everyone's heard of, but for, you know, Four Hour Workweek to yeah. me um, really inspired me, changed my life. I use a lot of the tools from the book. 
um, in my own life. So definitely four-hour work week. I, I really, now that you asked me that, I've got to go find a, a less known book. Next, the next time I could answer that question, I could give away <laughs> something less mainstream. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a book that changed, changed my life. What about you? I'm, I'm curious because I'm looking to read a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great, um, it's a great book. I, I, um, I absolutely agree. It's like, like there's not many books that have defined my life. Um, and so I, I remember reading uh, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Um, I really like that because this was someone who. Um, you know, talk to Andrew Carnegie, uh, who founded U.S. Steel. He was a Scottish immigrant, and he moved to the United States um, beginning of the 20th century. And um, and Napoleon Hill collected basically all the um, bits of pieces that um, sort of composed success. And 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 then he was writing about it and researching. And and for me, that was like um, sort of a way to like escape my own prison, how I see the world, and then sort of uh, move forward. And and that was very inspirational. And you yeah, know, that's, so many different that's books. a great that's a, that's a great read. Uh, thinking you're rich. Yeah, yeah. And so um, and so I think sometimes it depends on the stage in your life. And you know, like maybe if I had read it now, it wouldn't have the big effect that it had in the past. So it really depends on like what stage are you in, where you're trying to go, and all these different things. And you know, when people ask you like I did you, like I did ask you, um, like can you give me a book? It's like sort of a very general answer, right? But but I, a book that really helped to define your life. Um, those sort of those are sort of the books that I'm that that are amazing, right? Because those are the books that um, are very inspirational. And and there's not that many books, to be, turns out, because a lot of books are focused on subject matters. You know, I, I mean, I, I spent a couple of years in university, so you know, there you you don't read these kinds of books, right? People don't teach you how to make money or how to be more successful. Yeah. It's all about what you study, and it's it's sort of very esoteric, and um, you know. You know, maybe now people um, don't appreciate like university. Um, you know, everybody's criticizing, so people also forget the value of it. Um, there is value of it, but you know, when you're in university, you, you don't need, you don't learn these um, practical things. And and so, so I'm always curious to understand like what kind of books um, people read that like shape and define their life in some way. Yeah, it's it's very telling about a person. Yeah. So like, if you could have dinner with anybody in history. Um, who would you choose to have dinner with? Yeah, so if you asked me this a year ago, I'd say Jamie Dimon, CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. Um, I'm a big finance junkie when it comes to the financial crisis. Um, I read, you know, a lot of books about um, Jamie Dimon. Um, you know, I was really, really, um, I'm fascinated to see how he helped Chase navigate that financial crisis and come out on top. Um, so he's someone I, I really, really want to meet. Um, like, I, I'm really obsessed with him, and, like, he's kind of, like, one of my biggest, you know, idols um, in the world. Nowadays, I think it's a little different. I think I, um, I have two answers. The first is, like, the answer that everyone has, which is Elon Musk. Um, you know, who doesn't want to meet Elon Musk? Who, who doesn't think he's, like, the best person you know, ever. Um, and then B, now I'm super into Ben Bernanke, who is the chair, uh, you know, prior chairman of the Federal Reserve, because as I've learned more about the financial crisis, I think um, Ben has just as much to say as, J as Jamie Dimon does. So still a finance junkie, still want to, you know, meet those guys. Um, nothing to do with my own personal career. Um, really just, you know, I'm fascinated with, with, the, with the work that those guys are doing, and, and I really, really want to meet them. Um, you know, if you think about the Silicon Valley mindset, right, the Silicon Valley mindset is like everything you're talking about and like sort of 
the ability and the, the 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 power in yourself to like influence and change the world right and now everybody moves to the valley to the bay area but there's also like other like areas popping up like how do you see it sort of geographically playing out um in terms of like do you think now everybody's just going to move to like sf because that's sort of the mecca or do you see other places also emerging which is already happening like new york boston tel aviv berlin other places in the world beijing um like how do you see that um that playing out like yeah, how Patrick, do you decide that for yourself question. what you want to live? Yeah, really great question, Patrick. I'm, I'm interested in 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 that question because I think what I've personally seen over the past couple of years is this um with more technology, more education, and more um availability of mentorship, I've seen that entrepreneurial communities are growing at a rate which we haven't seen before and that smaller towns and smaller communities are starting accelerators, starting incubators, starting angel networks. So while I do think that young people with entrepreneurial mindsets will always flock to, you know, Austin, New York City, SF, LA, Portland, you know, these, these really big these big hubs, I think it's getting easier and maybe in ten years we'll see a big increase in the entrepreneurial spirits of local communities. Um so I think that as a trend, young people will be able to stay put and get the resources they need at home. And I'm, I'm excited about that trend. I think that's a really good thing for the state of entrepreneurship in the world. But for now, I think um, young people will continue to get kind of a gold fever and, and run out and, and do what they can, um, you know, to, to get to SF or New York or whatever it may be. But- how do you how do you how would you compare SF and New York? I mean, you know, you could say SF that's where everything is happening. Like, how do you like how would you compare New York and San Francisco? I will say this. Um, I think personally, if I was starting a startup right now that was technology focused, I would not go to San Francisco. And I will say that for for a multitude of reasons. I think that for everything that San Francisco does well, in that it provides a hell of a lot of community investors, you know, gold rush spirit, you know, this energy. I think that people get so caught up in trying to be like the next big SF startup that they lose focus on what they do really well. So if I was starting a tech startup right now, I'd go to New York. I think there's just as much energy, money, inspiration, yada, yada, and resource. But at the same time, there's less of the appeal to kind of be, be like everyone else which really frustrates me in a world that so many people are not doing them and are, are focused on other things. So that's, that's kind of my, my honest answer. Thank you for listening and see you next time.